My name is Eric. If I haven't met you yet, I'm so glad that you are here. And I hope, Trent, if you're watching online, which I'm sure you are, that you're getting a tan. I don't know if it's possible. Um, if you can get any more tan than you already are, but I hope that you are. If you're online with us, we're glad you're here today too. We can't wait to jump in to community with you. So if this is your first time, welcome to MCC. If this is not your first time, welcome back to this crazy family. And we're glad to be able to, to jump into scripture today together. So we are going through this series, identity. And we are jumping into the book of Ephesians and there's a lot of, lot of rich stuff in there. Uh, but I also, as I read through this, I, I noticed that Ephesians 1 almost mirrors my story a little bit and how God has, has pulled me out of some things and taught me new things. And I can't wait to be able to share that with y'all. Y'all ready to dig in this morning? Cool. All right. So my name's, like I said, my name's Eric. I'm married to Jen Pratt. She's right over there and she's definitely my better half. We have a fur baby. Her name is Sydney. Um, she is our uh, fur child or dog as other people know those animals. Um, and she is, she doesn't really know how to play, but she knows how to snuggle and she loves that. Um, so she's adorable. And uh, just letting you get to know me a little bit. Here's a couple of facts that you may not know if we haven't gotten the opportunity to talk a lot. First one, I have ADHD. If you haven't been able to tell for the two minutes I've been on stage, then, then here you go. Here's your piece of information about me. <laughs> I am uh, a little bit energetic. I'm outgoing. Um, I have those types of things going on. I was talking with a friend of mine before uh, I did this message and uh, wrote this whole thing, and they said, this is going to be the fastest message MCC has ever heard. <laughs> and I said, no, it's not. I'm going to make sure I don't do that today. I'm just, I, I can't. Um, so I, if, if I start to speed up a little bit, I'm talking too quick, just add another heaping of grace onto me this morning. Um, second fact, I have a, I have one kidney. Um, I have my right one. My left one was removed uh, when I was six weeks old. The doctors were wise enough to do an entire body scan through my body, found something weird in my left kidney and said, we probably need to remove that. And so they did. No health issues since then. It's great. I mean, it was six weeks old, so it was a long time ago. I don't really remember. Um, but I do know that it was vital to my health now. And I'm thankful for my parents and thankful for the daughters being, being there to be able to understand what all that looks like. And third, I'm a nerd. Um, just being completely honest with you. Uh, I love superhero movies. I love video games, board games. All of it. Um, I, I love it. And some, now some of you are like, okay, cool. Now you're my best friend. Great. Glad though, I just gained a new best friend. This is awesome. And some of you are like, what's a Marvel? So there's between, we don't really know which one. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I have a lot of interest and it's one of those things. I just can't wait to be able to relate with, with you and let you know kind of how God's been working on my heart through the last few years of my life. And I just can't, I, I, the more I get into this, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, God's got so much cool stuff wrapped up in this series. And the more that we can understand how we were created, the better we can connect with who Jesus is. So today we're going to be jumping into Ephesians 1 and we're going to start in verse 3. And as we go through this, the main thing I want you to take away from everything that I'm saying, everything that the Bible says today is that when the real you is sealed in Christ. Not the best version of you, not like the like your best life, not like the life that you gained whenever you went and bought four hundred dollars of clothes whenever you haven't worn a bunch of them in the closet still. Not the kind the not the best life that you have tried to build for yourself, but the real you. 
the person that struggles with, with stuff every single day, the, st- the person that, that deals with mental health, the person that, that, that deals with, with past hurt from family, the real us. God wants to redeem that. And we get to learn what God says about us today in scripture. So as we go through this, write down stuff, mark stuff in your Bible. If you have the Bible app, fun fact, you can actually push the verse and it'll underline it for you. If you didn't know that, now you do. Super helpful, especially trying to keep track of all, all the stuff that's in the Bible. I'm like, oh my gosh, that verse is great. So cannot wait to jump into Ephesians with you. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna get rolling. God, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you for your son that came and died and rose again on the cross for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for knowing who we were before we even ended up here on earth. Father, you're good. And we praise your name. You know who we are and we are who you say we are. Our identity is wrapped up and sealed in the promise that Jesus came here for. Your love. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. In your name we pray, amen. All right, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Let's read through this together. There's some really good stuff in here and then we'll jump into a little bit about how this has, has mirrored my story along the way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's a lot of blessings. Um, Sometimes we believe that, sometimes we don't. Just like this next verse, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I don't know about you, but I don't look at myself and say, wow, I'm holy and blameless. (laughs) Yeah, I don't look at myself in the morning like that. I know wh- how my brain moves. I know how I think. I know the, the, the things that I shouldn't do that I do anyway. I don't see myself like that, but God does. He does see me like that. He does see you like that. Holy and blameless before him in Jesus Christ. So there's gonna be a lot of things in here as we go through this identity portion this morning. And if you don't necessarily believe them about yourself, Think about your best friend saying them to you and saying, hey, you're awesome. You're lovely. You care about people. Think about your best friend coming to you and saying, hey, you're holy and blameless in Jesus Christ because that's what God wants today. He's not just our best friend. He's also our father. So today let's, let's, let's have that vantage point. Let's have that lens. Verse five, in love, he predestined us for adoption. Okay, let's hold up for a second. If you want to talk about free, free will and predestination, you can talk to Trent later. Um, yeah, I ain't tackling that this morning. <laughs> it's a lot, but that, I don't think that's what Paul means here. I think what he means by predestined for adoption is later on in the verse, whenever he says to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, he had a plan for us and not just for our lives, but also our salvation also our forgiveness, also our redemption in his blood. He had a plan. That's what he means by predestined. He doesn't mean that, he doesn't mean all the stuff we think about whenever we think about that word. I think what Paul's talking about here is Jesus. That plan so long ago, and if you read through the Old Testament, it's all pointing towards Jesus. 
adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. It's powerful. And it's something I wish little Eric would have understood. I wish I would have, I wish I would have understood how much grace and how much love he had for me. Because the way I thought that love worked was I try to impress so-and-so and so-and-so, and I try to fit in with this group and this crowd and do the right things and talk, say the right stuff and listen to the right music. None of that equals out to, to being adopted into the, into the family of God. All of that equals out to fulfilling what I want, fulfilling the type of people that I want to be surrounded with, the way that people view me and look at me. I grew up in a, in a home where my, my mom and dad still married. They're my biological parents. I have my brother and sister as well. I'm the oldest of three. And we all grew up at church together. Um, my dad didn't go immediately. We went to the Catholic church. He would come sometimes. My mom would drag us there. And um, newsflash, Catholicism and ADHD don't really do well together. <laughs> they just straight up don't. They, I just wanted to touch all the shiny stuff <laughs> and say like, that looks cool. Can I touch it? And my mom's like, no, that's lit on fire. You can't do that. That's a candle. You, that's, don't touch that. Um, but in that that's, that, that's where I was at. I just thought it was boring. I wanted church to be fun. I wanted to go and do something. I wanted to, to, to move, but I just couldn't. I got tired of this, like, I want to do something. And my mom could tell because even whenever I was in Sunday school, she would like, she would get the stories of like, yeah, Eric jumped off the couch 17 times today. I'd be like, I know. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I was bored. I wanted to make it fun. Um, and so that's kind of been my whole life is finding that new next thing, the fun thing, the entertaining thing. I remember whenever I was in middle school, I, I got invited to a birthday party with some friends and usually we'd just go and do some stupid boy stuff like play paintball or jump off the roof into the pool or something crazy like that. Um, and this time it was different. And I knew it was different because whenever I walked up, they were like, okay, hey, um, we're going to go do something. I said, what's something? Because usually it's paintball or swimming. And they're like, just follow us. So we went through the woods. We went over this creek and uh, there was a developing neighborhood that we ended up in right across the way. And I remember my friend bent down and he had a really good aim apparently because he picked up this rock. It's pretty sizable. He looked at this lamppost and just chunked it. Blew it to smithereens. We thought we were good. We thought it was a developing neighborhood so nobody was living there. And then we hear, hey, you kids, get out of here. And we book it as fast as we could. We, we ran through the woods, found this little mud pile thing that we all hid behind. And then we watch a cop car come past and realize this people in fact do live there. And that's whenever I realized maybe I shouldn't have made that decision. Maybe that's not the smartest thing I've ever done. Maybe I shouldn't have hung out with these people to the point where we're, we're, we're vandalizing property. I didn't do it, but I was there and I watched it happen and I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be alongside the people that were doing the cool stuff. And whenever, our, whenever my identity wasn't sealed in Christ, I became this chameleon. And I feel like we all can do this, that when our identity isn't sealed in him, that we become this, we have this ability to, to morph into whatever kind of color or mood or 
activity somebody else is doing. And some people are really confident in themselves and really confident in who they are. And a lot of people are really insecure about who they are. Regardless of which side you're on, we're all chameleons. Would you rather buy um, uh, great value brand shoes or Nike? Would you rather buy um, uh, the trusted brand or something that you don't know works well? We're all chameleons. We all buy into, okay, cool. They may have used the exact same stuff. One's cheaper, one has a brand name. Let's go with the brand name. Same thing if we have bought a car whenever. I know for, for me, I'm like, man, I would love to never have to pay for gas ever again. That would be awesome. Let's buy an electric car. And, my, and, I'm, and of course, my wife's like, hey, 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 our cars work fine. They're good. We just got one. <laughs> it's okay. And I'm like, yeah, but, like I, but no gas. And, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Makes sense. I want to be in the cool club. And I've been like that my entire life. That's something that God's delivered me from a lot over the last few years. But we'll jump into that in a second. In Ephesians 1, 5, Jesus, he's the reason that we were able to be adopted into the family. And everything that I've been doing up until this point was to fit in, but also to be accepted. And I, if little Eric would have just understood that I had already been accepted into the family of God, my life would have turned out so differently, so differently. God would have been able to use me and mold me in ways that I would have never been able to, to, to pinpoint, but instead I went in my own direction and became this really, really good chameleon in any situation. So that's the beginning of this entire identity crisis in my life and, who, and me trying to be somebody that I knew I wasn't supposed to be. And at that point in my life, I had made some relationships and some friendships with people that were not, obviously weren't the best influences on my life, but it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And our best life, the best life I was searching for, isn't actually the real life that I was desiring. Whenever I realized that, everything started to shift, but that took a while. It took a while to realize that the best thing in life is, is actually the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. But I didn't catch it. In fact, I didn't really want to catch it. I just, kept, I just wanted to keep on living the way I wanted to live. So in this, I keep on making these relationships. I dive in deeper with these people that did not have my best interest at heart. And eventually it turns into abuse. Eventually it turns into really unfortunate circumstances that I think back on and I realize now I could have controlled by, by standing my ground on the ways that, that I was taught, the way that I learned in, in, in Sunday school, the ways my, my, the morals that my mom and dad had taught me, but I didn't. And I look back at that and I'm like, man, it's my fault. I really wanted to blame anybody else that I could because I wanted to put a mask on myself and be able to hide it from the person that I didn't like. And I wanted to blame my parents and say, you let me go over to that person's house. I wanted to look at my friends and say, you wanted to, like, you're the one that made this decision. But in, in reality, I can't control them. The only person I can control is right here. And that control is what started another level deeper of this identity crisis in my life. Because whenever we make decisions 
in our life, whenever our identity isn't sealed in Christ, those decisions tend to be short-term decisions that we think will benefit us before we get to the long-term part of our life. And then we realize how much pain and how much hurt those things cause in the long run. We want that instant gratification. We want that right now good feeling, but man, if we just hung on a second and waited to see what God wanted to do, maybe our life would have turned out different. This might be little Eric and little middle school Eric running around doing dumb stuff. But even now I look at this and I realize that the decisions I make now that are meant for the short term tend to harm me in the long term too. It doesn't matter how old we are. What matters is our hearts stay the same. It doesn't matter if we're reading the Old Testament, if we're reading the New Testament, if we're thinking about people that are gonna be in 500 years in the future living on earth. People are people. We're the same. Our hearts have the same desire to be loved, to be accepted. And I wanted that acceptance. I didn't live into what God had in store at that point in my life. And I wish I would have understood this next passage. I wish I would have understood Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. That in him, in Jesus, in God, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. If only I would have understood that God... It was, it, was, it, was, it was okay that I did those things because he forgave me for them, even though there was earthly consequences. I cannot tell you how much quicker I would have gotten on God's path, not my path. But I didn't catch it. I didn't, I didn't understand what those words redemption and forgiveness and grace does because every time I would make a decision, I felt like I would never be quite good enough to receive that forgiveness. We're not sealed, but we're not sealed in Christ. We reject that person that God wants us to be and we embrace what the world wants us to be. And that is dangerous. And the only reason I'm able to stand here to tell you all this right now, right in this moment, is because this is something that has, I have dealt with and prayed through and worked through every single day and still do. I'm a lot stronger at this now, but back then, and for a long time, I was dealing with the repercussions of feeling like I was still without these things in my life. So my parents realized that real quick and they said, okay, we need to do something about this to be able to get these, our kids and around people that love and care about them. So a friend of mine had invited me to a church in my hometown and we, I went and we, I loved it, hanging out with the friends there. It was fun. Uh, we played capture the flag. We did stuff to allow me to move and have a good time. And that was awesome. Um, but what I didn't see was behind the scenes, my mom and my dad and we're, we're making relationships with people in the church. And my mom dove in head first into serving in the church, getting to know people. And quickly our immediate family went from like five people to a hundred brothers and sisters, moms and dads and grandparents and great grandparents. It was just incredible how quickly they adopted us into that church. That's the first taste of, and I look back at that, and that's the first taste of, of, of adoption that I've ever seen. I ever knew. The first case of, of being forgiven, of being accepted regardless of who I was. Because at this point, 
Um, anybody listen to metal or screamo here? Yeah, okay. I know there's gotta be some people online that do. I know this is hard to imagine, but I had hair down to my shoulders. Not kidding, it was like down to here. I wore black every single day. I had the studded belt, the the jeans were way, way, way like skinny, tight, yeah. Um, Everything, the whole nine yards. Band t-shirt. I screamed in a screamo band in middle school. Yeah, I did. And what I mean by that is three of us were in our garage and somebody was hitting on some like cardboard boxes and I would just yell. So it got the thing, it got the energy out that I needed to get out in that moment. Right. <laughs> but I did because I just wanted to be, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be in, in, in the cool club. So then one day I could stand on stage and say, I screamed in a screamo band. I didn't, it wasn't a band. I just yelled at people. It was fun. Um, but all that to say is that, that the people I met that I hung out with all the time that I started to make those relationships with were all people that I went to church with. And they all and their families had us and our best interests at heart. And that's when I met Frank. Frank was the youth pastor at, at the church I grew up at and he invested in me. He, he took time to learn who I was because he saw that there was something different about me. And usually when people say that, it's usually like, wow, there's something different about that guy. He's going to go on to do cool stuff. And he was like, no, that's not what I mean. This kid is hurt, y'all. Like something's up with him. Something's going on inside of his life that I don't know what it is. I'm leaning into this. And he did. And he was consistent. And he loved me and my family. And he picked me and my brother up like once a week, maybe once every other week, maybe twice a week, three times a week, just depended on the time. And he would pick us up, we'd go to Burger King and he would just listen and just chat. He would ask questions. He'd be like, what? So what happened? What, what about this part of your life? And then he would let me start to ask questions, which ended up being like, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did God wipe out an entire generation of people in the desert? Why did he flood the entire earth at one point? Why did he use the word sons instead of sons and daughters in scripture? And we'll get to that in a little bit. But those are the questions I started to ask. And bless him. I don't mean like the bless his heart. I mean like bless him. Like, not like the Southern, like you poor thing. I mean like Seriously, he was the reason why I started to make a turning point in my life. And God started to use his, 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 his listening ear and he started to use his life to be able to just invest in, in, this, in this broken kid. That at that point, I didn't even realize how much I had gone through and dealt with until I hit that point, until I started talking with Frank. And if y'all have kids or if you have students that, that come here to MCC that aren't involved in the student ministry, I really wanna encourage you to jump in. Your kids and your students need somewhere to feel like they belong. And sometimes the best place to do that is with other kids and other people that are consistent in their life. And I know Tim and I know Josh, our, our, our student pastor Tim and our, our children's pastor Josh, and they love your kids. They love them. And they want to be consistent and they're all, they're, they're the team members just want to be so consistent with them. So my encouragement to you in that is even one person, even one conversation could change the whole trajectory of, a, of, of somebody's life. If you have children, children or kids that really want to jump into that or students, let them. It only ends, 
in one way, and usually that's good. All that to say, Frank did that for me. He was there to listen, and he built that relationship. He built that trust in, in my life, in my family's life. And then he said, hey, do you want to go on a mission trip? And I was, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was, is she going to be there? And he said, yeah, she's going to be there. And I said, okay, then you'll see me on that bus whenever we go to Chicago. <laughs> so he lured me in with my crush at that point whenever I was, in, you know, I was in high school. And then I get on the bus and I sit down and I start looking around and she's nowhere to be found. I don't know if he lied. He probably didn't lie. That's not who Trent was. I don't know if she was like, no, nah, I'm not going to go, actually. I don't know what happened, but she didn't go. And that was God's plan for me to be there, regardless if she was there or not. He knew that that was going to be a, a major turning point in my life because he used the people on that trip to show me a whole new situation, a whole new way of living. So we get to Chicago. We spend a week at this orphanage in downtown Chicago. And we spend time with these kids and hang out with them and just invest in them. And at this point, I mean, I just told you, I looked scary, kind of. I even straightened my hair sometimes. Confession time. Um, and that's like, that was it. I, 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 did, I was not the person that you wanted to like approach at that point. I did a good job of like showing that I was joyful, but inside I just wasn't. And outside it really showed. This one girl would come up every single morning and hug her teachers, hug her. She was like nine, like eight, seven, eight, nine years old. And she would hug her teachers, hug her counselors. And then she would come up and she would hug me individually, not anybody else in our group. She would just hug me and then she'd run away. And so like by the end of the, the week after that happened, like three or four times, I eventually looked at her and I was like, why are you so happy all the time? Why do you always want to come hug me? Why do you always want to come and, and, and be there next to me. And she said, because I have the love of Jesus in my heart. And then she did her thing and went and go played with the kids. But my first thought in that moment was like, you're really just going to say that and you're just going to leave. <laughs> okay. Um, because now I'm thinking through, okay, all I want is that I'm tired of being exhausted. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of having all these anxious feelings as a kid. I just wanted to be happy. So I accepted Jesus on that trip, which yay, good, except I didn't accept him for the, for the reason you think I did, because I, I viewed him as my Lord and Savior. I've, I accepted him because I wanted joy. That's it. I didn't give him my full self. I just gave him this part of myself that was like, made me happy again. And so I gave Christ my life and I said, cool, here's, here's this part, just a little bit. And he's like, okay, cool, great. But coincidentally, every single time that something happened that shook me, that, that, that threatened my identity, that did something bad, I just, that's what my identity did. Splashed all over the place because there's no seal. It's water. It's okay. No seal was on my life at that point. I still hadn't accepted Jesus for the reason that I thought I needed to. I, I knew I wanted the happiness, but I didn't know that the whole gospel of salvation was there in this. That's whenever I wish I would have understood this. Making 
known to us the mystery of God's will. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And what I want y'all to catch in this moment is that I wasn't fully united with him because my identity wasn't sealed in Christ. My identity was still sealed with everybody else. I wasn't there. My, my, the unity with Christ wasn't there because I didn't really think that he could take the entirety of my life and make it better. I just thought he could do just, just one little part. That's why that word unite is so huge. Because the, whenever we stop trying to do it all by ourselves and we give Christ the opportunity to lean into our life and say, I love you, I forgive you, there's redemption, there's forgiveness, there's grace. Things happen. Good things happen. Powerful things happen. God doesn't just want to unite with the real, the, the best us. He wants to unite with the real us. That best life, that thing that's like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm doing whatever I want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm living it up. I, I can spend money on a Fogo to Chow in Atlanta and, and I can have fun doing whatever I want to do that weekend and eat a lot of food. Great. That sounds like my best life, but that's not the life that I really want to live every day because I could eat a lot of food, but I could still feel really sad inside. I could still have a lot of issues down in here. I can't really tell you a point that everything started to shift from here though, because I felt like it was more of just riding on a train and hitting stop to stop to stop to stop rather than there being this one big, like I jump on a plane and fly and then land in this one city and that's the destination. Because I, at this point in my life, I, I started to notice that it just made me exhausted exhausted and try to do all these things to be able to relate with people and, and, and hang out with people and fit in with the right crowd. It, it got tiring. And I started to notice that about myself. And these are the kind of things that I did whenever I accepted Christ and I didn't have the seal on my life. I would value compliments that people gave me over what God says about me in scripture. I would build my, relation, my relationship with God on worship songs and those cold chills you get whenever you like in worship and God's like, I'm speaking to you. I would build my whole relationship on him, on him with that instead of the depth that, that Jesus offered whenever he went to the cross for us and what wor wor true worship really means. I told my friends that they could trust me with their, their stuff. And then I would gossip about them behind their back to their friend that they were trying, they have, were having issues with. And I tried to fix it all for them. And usually it just made it way worse. Actually, every time I tried to do that, it made it way worse. <laughs> every single time. I, I claimed to be mentally healthy so I could keep on using my gift at church. Cause at this point I was leading worship and I was playing in the band and all of these types of things. But in reality, in the background, I was mentally and physically harming myself. I made decisions for other people's approval because I feared those same people's disapproval. I didn't want anybody to feel like I, I like was not fitting in their crowd, but I was just kind of there. So I would just make the decisions to be able to still fit into their crowd because I thought if I could, maybe they would catch the joy of Christ too, but not, I noticed I said joy, not the salvation, not message of Christ. I would put people that didn't have any business in my life being above the people that genuinely cared and loved me. 
consistently. And that list could go on and on and on and on. And none of those things are inherently hurtful or inherently bad, but they did hurt. Not just me, but everybody around me. People I meant to hurt, never really meant to hurt anybody. People I didn't mean to hurt, they got hurt every time. Whenever I made the decision to be able to try to, to, to make something fake happen, I would just, I would, I would put myself in pain and put them in pain too. But that's when Frank and Spencer, my other youth pastor that came after he left, and my parents, I don't know if they like plotted this thing where they would come at me every time I had one of these issues with some Bible verses, but they did. Um, and the same Bible verses every time too, which was kind of weird because then I found out they had never talked before about any of this. They just found these Bible verses and saw that that's what I was struggling with. And they would encourage me with these things at the same time. And I memorized two of them to start with. Does anybody know what the first Bible verse could have been? It's not John three sixteen. You would think so. Actually, I didn't even know John 3.16 until around college. Um, it didn't, it just never really stuck on my head. I just, I knew that he was my Lord and Savior, but I didn't really, I, scripture was never the thing in my life that, that fueled my relationship with Jesus. The first, but the, the first thing I did memorize in scripture was Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to test the pleasing and perfect will of God. I just paraphrase. I know it's written right there exactly what it is, but that's where it is in my head. It's stuck. Every time I would make a decision to conform to this world, my parents would lean over and, hey, you know, you're doing that thing again, right? You know, you're doing that thing again where like you say that you're gonna do one thing and then you're gonna go do something else with your friends. You're not really being true. But then I started noticing that true being transformed by the renewing of my mind of, of how Jesus loved me, of how God loved me, of how he adopted me into the family of God, that's what started to change my whole life. And it, it was decision after decision after decision. So I would start and I would make the wrong decision and try to keep pleasing people. And then I would start to make, and I'd say, okay, that didn't really work that time. And then I would give like half the effort to make the, make the godly decision and I didn't. And then I would make like three fourths the effort. And then finally I noticed that whenever I was in line with how Christ acted, that I didn't just gain joy. He started to, to show me how he forgave me for the things that I did in my past and how I could forgive other people for the same thing. Second verse is Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. That's not saying don't take care of yourself. That's not what that verse means. That just means think about others more because inherently if we're trying to be like Christ and the selfish ambition and the vain conceit start to go out the window, our opportunity to lean into people's lives and love them like Christ loved them only increases because we're trying to be like Christ who would only do that every time. Love people, relate with people, be there with people, not don't affirm people, but love people. These are the things that started to happen. These are the verses that started to change my life. And there was no like one moment thing that happened. It was over time and people really gave it their all to every single time I would start making those decisions in public and private, the people I led into my life to hold me accountable, they would. 
So high school happened, I grew. College happened, I grew. Things just kept on getting stronger and stronger and stronger in my relationship with Jesus. And then this all made sense. Ephesians 1.11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, Jesus, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him, we have, have obtained the inheritance. Verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. He's talking to the people that, of Ephesus at that point that are saying, we are the people that are gonna lead the charge in this. That once these things started to make sense in my life, I, I started to lead the charge in, in, in my friend groups and the people that hurt me way back then, God started to use me in those, in those relationships to be able to, to, to encourage them to see who Jesus was. And it was so cool watching some of them accept Christ. So cool. And it wasn't because of me. There's nothing, there's no power that I could have given to that. It was all Jesus. It was all his influence. Verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, okay, so we're in scripture now, the word of truth, the thing that I had neglected the whole time that started to change my life, the gospel of your salvation, Jesus's story, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the moment I started to crack this thing open, actually, let's not take that one. Let's take this one. Out of the sealed jar, everything started to make sense. I said, okay, here's, here's the person that Christ created me to be. Here's who he made me as. And I'm gonna fill it up all the way to the brim because I now understand that I'm not made to glorify me. I'm not made for the selfish ambition or vain conceit part of my life. And being a worship pastor, let me tell you, it's harder than it looks, especially because I'm up here every week. This thing keeps on doing that thing. There we go. I'm up here every week in front of people using a gift and a skill that's so easy to twist inward. And to say, look at this thing that I worked on. Look at this note that I hit. Look at this. God, as I, as I became more and more used to leading worship, would work on my heart more and more and remove me from situations and say, hey, this is not about you. This is about me. Are you going to give glory to me or are you going to give glory to yourself? Over and over and over again and every single Sunday morning before we come up here, that's my prayer for us as a group, that it wouldn't be here. It would be here that we would notice what he's doing in the room before we notice the cool note that we hit. That identity started to, started to make sense. Then it doesn't go anywhere because I seal is finally where it needs to be. That identity finally makes sense. That right at the end of this verse here, it's important, but before we get there, there's another part that I want to hit because John 3, 16 finally made sense in my life. I finally understood that this was actually an important verse in my, in my spiritual journey because he loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, which is interesting because the last verse literally says, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So how am I going to gain that if I don't listen to what Jesus said in the first place? that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 blew my mind as a kid. Fun fact, that's the verse of the day. Didn't plan that. 
pretty cool. God, I'm like, okay, I see you. Um, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he might, that we would, that, wow, that the world might be saved through him. No condemnation, forgiveness. No condemnation, redemption. And Jesus loves us so much that he came to show us what's inside of us really. And that's whenever I started to notice that we, whenever I am sealed in Christ, that we can retain the promised thing that's inside of us. And that's what gives us identity. And the thing that I didn't really catch was in this next verse. The last one at the very end of this little passage, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And the thing that we inherited whenever we believe in Christ, whenever we decided that he is our Lord and Savior for real, not just kind of, but actually our Lord and Savior is the Holy Spirit. The same power that rose Christ from the dead now lives inside of us too. And y'all, whenever the little Eric finally figured that out, he became big Eric. And he started to notice that loving other people first and regardless of their situation and forgiving myself and forgiving the people that hurt me, all of those things started to become opportunities to show people how good Jesus was. So that's our identity. We exist to praise and glorify God for who he is. It finally clicked in my head. It's not what he did. That's important. Sending Jesus here is important. But it's the fact that he would even do that in the first place. And his character is there. I say that on Sunday morning sometimes. And I'm like, like, let's praise God for who he is. What I mean by that is I don't mean let's praise God because he, he, he took the cancer away. Let's, let's praise God because he healed somebody after a car wreck. Those are reasons to, to, to praise God. Don't get me wrong. But it's not because of the things that he did. It's because of the person and the being that he is and that he sent Jesus down here to be. That's the important part is that Jesus loves us. The Holy Spirit is now here where we don't have to make sacrifices of living animals anymore like they did in the Old Testament. Now we can just talk to God and we can understand that we have forgiveness because Jesus was that sacrifice and that's power. So, so powerful. So today, if you are a, if you do not believe in Jesus in the room, number one, what I want you to hear from me is that I love you and I care about you so much. If you're online with us and you're watching and you don't believe in, if you don't believe in who Jesus is and who God says he is, we love you so much. And a, a, a mentor of mine at my last church said this to me and it's stuck with me ever since that if, some, if, if somebody's worth it, then you're, you're going to be willing to say the hard thing. So I'm willing to say the hard thing to do this to you today if you don't believe that, that, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. There is not an amount of self-help books there's not an amount of TikToks. There's not an amount of motivational Facebook posts. There's not an amount of, of relationships that's going to fill up who you are. Much more importantly, it's not going to seal you either. 
This will never exist if you're trying to just find the thing that makes you your best self. You're always going to be missing something. You're always going to be missing who God created you to be. If you do believe in Jesus, and identity is something that you struggle with, and I feel like it's something we all struggle with. That's what social media tried to fix the problem of, and in fact, it made it worse. Our job is to rededicate our lives to Christ daily. And what I mean by that is it's not like, do your quiet time every day. No, that's not. Trent's talked about that so many times. It's not about the every, the quiet time, the specific action every day. It's about the mindset of how we relate with Jesus every single moment. It's not, a, it's, it goes further than just daily. It goes hourly, minutely. That's not a word. Momently. But it is now. And that's the beauty of this, is that if we are Christians and we do believe in Jesus, your opportunity to rededicate and realign every day with your identity and who Jesus is, is already here because he's already paid the price for it. All we have to do is acknowledge and believe in him because he came to save the world. If one of those steps for you is baptism, it, seems, it might seem scary, but it's not. It's one of the opportunities that we have to show that we love Jesus and we wanna enter into the, to the, to the family that God already adopted us into. Take that opportunity. It will only push people here to be able to, to, to flock to you and love you and get to know the real you. And if you don't believe in Jesus today, if you wanna have a conversation about accepting him into your life and him being real, really being the, the glue here, the seal, you can talk to me. You can talk to twice tanned Trent when he gets back. Whatever it looks like for you. We want you to know that we love you and we care about you. And we just want to have a conversation because Jesus is, he's worth it. We're going to jump into a time of communion and praise God just a little bit more because that's what we do. It doesn't have to always be through music. I know I'm the worship pastor. I shouldn't say that, but it's not always through music. In fact, I should say that. Praising God is not always just raising your hands. Sometimes praising your God is on your knees. Sometimes praising God is sitting in your seat. Sometimes praising God is, is standing before his throne and his cross and saying, God, whatever you want, I'm here. Sometimes it's service. Sometimes it's, it's, it's putting in time in, in Sunday mornings to jumping into a new ministry that you may not feel super comfortable with. Sometimes you'll find Jesus in those places that you have a little bit of a tug towards, but aren't willing to go there unless he pulls you. So my encouragement to you today is lean into that. Lean into what he's calling you to because our whole purpose in life is to praise and glorify God. That's where we start to see that seal come into place. This morning as we take communion just remember that that's the reason he died for you. So we could be reminded of who God created us to be. Free without eternal consequence. Praisers and worshipers of the holy God. I'm gonna pray for us and we'll jump into worship. And we'll take communion, then we'll jump into worship. God, thank you so much for this morning. 
Thank you for reminding us who we are. Thank you for taking a broken, sinful person like me and somehow using actions and words that I dedicate to you to show your glory. Thank you for taking a really fun family of believers here at MCC and allowing us to understand more of what it means to draw closer to you through praise, through worship, through glorifying you. God, if there's brokenness in this room this morning, this afternoon, from from whatever party, believers in Christ, people who don't believe in Christ, people who don't believe in you and your promises, just to remind all of us that you love us so much. Increase that empathy so that we would know to love them more and they would love us more. And then we can start the conversation of what it looks like to praise you. Why were we created? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us the opportunity to be in communication with you so we can just praise your holy name. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen.